text this morning is Acts 14, verses 21 to 23. Midst of the missionary journey of the apostle, we read, When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, it's amazing to see when we read in Acts, work of the Apostle Paul, how many similarities there are to the work that Paul was doing and to the work that we see around us today. Acts 14 helps us to understand what we need when we institute a church. And if you look at the verses, verse 21, you see that what we first need to institute a church is our disciples. You see that disciples who believed the news of Jesus Christ that was being proclaimed. Before Paul moved on to the next place, he ensured that there were many disciples, not just one or two, but many, a sufficient number of disciples needed when you institute a church. And yet the Lord did not think that the number of believers was sufficient to ensure that a church would remain faithful. And so we read in the next verses that it was necessary for the apostles and evangelists to, to return to the churches that were just planted and then focus their attention on follow-through care, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging the attacked church, and appointing elders was also part of the work of the Holy Spirit, our Lord, ascended Lord's ongoing work here on the earth. This is why the ordination of elders and deacons is taking place on the same day as the institution of the new church in Devon. And when we look at this institution in the light of Christ's church gathering work from the time of his ascension until today, we praise God for his faithfulness. We are a living part of the unfolding history of redemption, and it is a privilege to see this growth and this outward movement in our lifetime and in our neighborhoods. It's true the day comes with a measure of sadness as well, because we will miss the joys of, of all worshiping together, going through so many hard times together, supporting one another as congregations, as one big congregation, loving one another. Yet we know that we are seeing the hand of the Lord at work. We will continue laboring in the kingdom side by side. And we desire to speak some parting words to, to one another. What's a, what's a good thing for us to say to each other as we continue on as to institute a church, churches. And so what, so what shall we say? Well, when Paul and Barnabas made their way back to Antioch at the end of their first missionary journey, that's what we're reading about in the text today, 
They encouraged the churches to continue in the faith. Those were the parting words. Continue in the faith. It's an exhortation. It's based on the promise of our Lord Jesus Christ that he would always be with his church. And so that's the gospel message that I can proclaim to to all God's people, including the congregations of Emmanuel, listening via live stream from their homes, and the Devon Canadian Reformed Church here before us. You could say still the future Devon Canadian Reformed Churches. And I preach to you then the, the gospel under this theme, committed to the Lord, Christ's church will continue in the faith. The church has a moving message, has repeated uh, encouragement in an ongoing local task. The Holy Spirit, beginning of Acts chapter 13, you can see that. He commanded the church to set apart men who could proclaim the word of God and the gospel of church to the neighboring cities and regions. You see, this is the, the desire of the Holy Spirit. That gospel became known as the faith. The faith, that's what's referred to in chapter 14, verse 22. And so when we as congregations, Emmanuel and Devon, uh, looking at one another, saying, continue in the faith, brothers and sisters, and we say it to one another, we're thinking of that gospel. We're thinking of that body of teaching that was proclaimed by Jesus Christ as he led the apostles in the great commission of Matthew 28. And as you walked in today, you could read that on the wall again, uh, reminding us of our task here as a church in the world. If you look to Acts 13, you can see that the faith that was proclaimed was, the re was redemptive historical. It was a proclamation that began with God's gracious promises in the Old Testament, showing how they were fulfilled in Jesus Christ as this is recorded in the Gospels. That's the, the faith that was being proclaimed, the faith that the churches were continuing in. This preaching declares that Jesus Christ is the promised Savior. This preaching warns that rejecting Jesus Christ is the same as rejecting the Scriptures themselves, rejecting God's work. The preaching announced the good news that God raised Jesus from the dead. And through this man who was victorious over death, the forgiveness of sins and freedom from everything which you could not be freed from by the law is granted to those believers. As you're reading through Acts 13, as you're reading through that proclamation of the apostles, as they bring this to the churches, we see very clearly what that faith that we must continue in looks like. It touched the very hearts, first of the Jews, and then when the Jews themselves, and you can read this in Acts 13, verse 48, when they judged themselves unworthy of eternal life because they rejected the gospel, then the, the gospel went out to the Gentiles. Everyone who believed in Jesus Christ could be saved. That's the faith that we continue in. It's the very reason for the existence of the Devon Canadian Reformed Church and the Emmanuel Canadian Reformed Church. To continue in the faith means to continue in this gospel proclaimed by the pulp, from the pulpit, delivered to the saints, 
And then we see, brothers and sisters, nothing. Not buildings, not worship times, not committees. Nothing is more important than the assembly of Christ's disciples who are appointed to eternal life in this faith. And so we encourage one another to continue in the faith. And the heart-moving message of the, of the faith that was proclaimed, that message also moves in another way. It moves in the way that it goes from one place to the next. The Holy Spirit leads God's people to bring this heart-moving message to new places. While Jesus was on the earth, he gave the Great Commission to go to make disciples from out of all nations. And he commanded his apostles to go in the power of the Holy Spirit as his witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's the theme of Acts that you can read in chapter 1, verse 8. Sometimes the Holy Spirit led the church in this outward movement to neighboring cities and regions because they were being persecuted in one place and they had to move on to the next. At other times, the Holy Spirit simply commanded the local church to appoint missionaries. And then he led these missionaries to different places. Acts describes how the the Holy Spirit makes that gospel faith go out, keep moving, going to the next place. And Acts is giving us historical events. But as this is the word of God that we are reading, we know that in these historical events, God is revealing how he continues to work after Christ's ascension. God reveals that he wants the gospel proclamation to be continually on the move so that the kingdom may advance in this fallen world and more and more people may share in the joy and the comfort of the faith. To continue in the faith is to continue to move forward, to go to the next community, to preach, to baptize, to teach. And the institution of the Devon Church fits in this ongoing work of our ascended Lord Jesus Christ. And then we all must be very clear that we are not instituting a new congregation in Devon to give more room for us in this building for personal comforts. But there's a distinctly missionary focus as well. The Spirit is leading us, moving us to the next community. And the reading in Acts today reminds us once again that we are really a church that is located on a mission field. Canada is the mission field. And the Holy Spirit's missionary methods are revealed in Acts 14, verse 21, when we read the little detail that when Paul entered Derby, he preached the gospel to that city. Our calling as church is not just to preach the gospel to the church family left in Emmanuel here or heading out to Devon, but rather to preach the gospel to the city of Edmonton, to the city of Devon. The call to worship in all the Psalms and in all Jesus' teaching is a call that is extended to all people. 
as it has always been for the church of the Lord in all places and in all times after his ascension, also our hearts must be focused on the mission field that God has placed us on. Not just one another, but the city where we are. Why? Because we love our fellow Albertans. And may the faith, we pray, may the faith continue to move hearts as it moves from one community in Alberta to the next through outreach and the evangelistic preaching of Christ's church. And today, it's a special day. Today we're thinking of, of the changes, the moving of the gospel as it, as, it, as, as it affects our neighborhood here in Emmanuel and as it affects the town of, of Devon. But we're not stopping here. Our minds are already going to the next place. Today, Emmanuel and Devon, tomorrow we're already thinking, where, where is it going to move next? We live in a mission field. The gospel, the faith, the difference between eternal life and eternal death. And so we're thinking of a moving message. We also see how Paul, after he planted churches, he came back. He came back to visit and to encourage those churches. It's very important to understand that in a mission-focused world and a mission-focused message, the Bible never teaches doing mission and outreach at the cost of ongoing discipleship in existing churches. In Acts 14, verse 21, we read that on his way to the starting point back in Antioch, Paul returns to the churches that he had just visit, visited for follow-through work. The vision statement of the Christian church does not only include the, the going of the Great Commission and the proclamation of the gospel to the unchurched in every city, but it also includes the more time-consuming teaching to observe of the Great Commission, the ongoing support and care to those who believe in Jesus Christ. As the church in Antioch exemplifies, there are two ways to shine as a light in the world. Sending our missionaries into the darkness and gathering together as a holy, a set-apart community to rejoice in the good news of the gospel together. If we are not observing all that Jesus Christ has commanded us in our daily lives, if we as congregations of Emmanuel and as Devon, if we are not keeping in step with the Holy Spirit, with a holy life, we are not able to, to shine very brightly in our communities. And so the Holy Spirit led Paul and Barnabas back to the churches that they had planted along the way so that they might, we read, strengthen the souls of the disciples. By mentioning that the focus was on the souls of the men and the women and the children who were following Jesus Christ, the Lord makes it clear that our attention should be focused on the spiritual well-being of the members of Christ's body. 
We give attention to the physical needs of God's people insofar as it relates to their spiritual well-being. In Acts 2, verses 42 to 47, the church is the day of Pentecost and the church is meeting together. It was clear that the souls were strengthened when they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers, praising God and having favor with all people. Further descriptions of this strengthening can be found in Acts 16. They include fellowship. They include cooperation on work. They include the blessings of federative unity as churches were informed of the decisions that had been reached by apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. Our text mentions that the Holy Spirit strengthened the souls of the disciples in two other ways, by encouraging them to continue in the faith and by preparing the church for the many tribulations they must pass through in order to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And that's in verse, verse 22. Well, that word for encouragement that we read in verse 22, that points to an urgent exhortation. That encouragement was, that, that declaration, there is no salvation outside of Jesus Christ. Submit yourself to him. And when churches, you see, when churches become lukewarm or comfortable or lazy, then they need to be strengthened and encouraged for they are in a very vulnerable position because as we saw last week and again in our text today, there will be persecutions and tribulations for all the citizens of God's kingdom. Look at what Paul suffered on his missionary journeys for the faith. We read together an example of one of these strengthening sermons. So here we read that, that Paul went back and he was strengthening the souls of the disciples. And then when we went to Acts 20, we, we could see an example of what this strengthening sermon uh, looked like. And when we read through that, you could note the urgency of Paul's declaration to the Ephesian elders. He urged them, watch over yourselves. Watch over the flock that Jesus Christ bought with his own blood. That in the message of strengthening and encouragement is, is a warning to watch out for, for the wolves, the fierce wolves that will come in among the church. Paul was, was preaching. He said, they won't spare the flock. And the same is true today. Be aware of the dangers. Be aware of men arising among the church who would speak twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. And as Devin is looking at Emmanuel and Emmanuel is looking at Devin and, and we're telling each other, continue in the faith. We're thinking with these words. Watch over yourselves. Watch over the flock. We must heed the warning. And whenever we gather and assemble together in the world, that's the ongoing responsibility that we have. You see, the apostles were given a unique office. The apostles were special. They had a temporary office with a calling to continue to, to go and plant more churches. The, the goal of the apostles was to establish churches that were capable of caring for themselves, 
and also that we're able to reach out in mission and to ensure that that gospel message would be protected even after they had equipped them personally with visits and with letters, the Holy Spirit also appointed office bearers, elders and deacons, through the apostles and evangelists in every place. Now when the Lord reveals that the apostles ordained office bearers wherever they planted a church, God made it very clear that local churches that desire to continue in the faith must also then ordain office bearers. Ongoing pastoral care is best done by men who are chosen from within the congregation. When the apostles appointed elders in, in every town, as we could see also in verse 23, they were receiving the Holy Spirit's gift of leadership. A gift that began already in the Old Testament and continues all the way to 2020, to today. And although the qualifications of these office bearers are not listed in our verse in Acts 14, we learn from the Old Testament that overseers were to be chosen from the wise and the understanding and the experienced men in the congregation. You can see that in Deuteronomy chapter 1. Verses 13 and 15. And they were therefore people who had some authority in their clans already. From the Old Testament, we learn that the task of these elders was similar to the shepherding task of the kings and included the authoritative work of judging and teaching the qualifications In the New Testament that we read together in Titus chapter 1, for example, those qualifications show that the Holy Spirit wanted the churches to appoint leaders who were spiritually mature, who were humble, who were self-controlled. Then we look at Acts 14 verse 23 and we see that there is a plural use. And when they had appointed elders in the plural in every place, makes it clear that the Lord was working with a group of elders in every local church. And we notice that in Acts 14 there's no mention of deacons, but the origins of the deacon can already be found in Acts 6. They were already serving churches. They had a role in cooperating with the elders in the oversight of the church. And so they are addressed together with elders in a letter to the Philippians, chapter 1, verse 1. And then we go to Titus, we go to Timothy, and we see that there are specific qualifications also for deacons. And as we look then at Acts 14, verse 23, and we compare it with what we're doing today, you could say what we're seeing in the Devon Canadian Reformed Church and in the Emmanuel Canadian Reformed Church, we can be encouraged to see how similar all these things are. You could see how the Lord Jesus continues to do his work, giving elders, giving deacons in every local church, urging one another to continue in the faith. Well, Acts 14, verse 23, reveals that the response reveals that the apostles placed the responsibility for continuing in the faith primarily upon the men who were committed to be elders. And the decision 
concerning who may serve as an office bearer is not made by the person being ordained, but by the Holy Spirit who reveals his will through the church. So we read in our text that the apostles appointed office bearers in every church. They appointed these office bearers. We don't appoint ourselves, but God indicates who our leaders are. And the word appointed in our text includes the picture of raising the hand in, in a vote. So it's very likely that the office bearers, the apostles, were cooperating with the congregation in the ordination of elders. But we see how the Lord is guiding all things in his church. And also today when the office bearers make their promises, they will, they will say that they feel in their heart that God called them through his congregation. That language comes straight from our text in Acts 14. They're called by God. Office bearers then must be committed to the Lord in whom they have believed. You see that in verse 23. The apostles committed the office bearers to the Lord with prayer and fasting. And so like the Lord Jesus and, and with his blessing and to express their sincere desire to God, the apostles fasted along with their prayers. The elected and appointed office bearers in Devon will receive their commission today. And with prayer and with fasting, we continue to commend these servants to the grace of God for the task that they have been assigned to fulfill. We see that also when we have a charge that's given to the congregation. That charge is that you might be praying and, and, and fasting and, and desiring that the office bearers have what they need to fulfill their task. Commend them, commit them to the Lord and not to their own devices, to their own desires. Brothers and sisters, let us all together regularly and faithfully pray for the office bearers that God has established in our congregations, whether that be Emmanuel or whether that be Devon. We pray that the office bearers may continually and faithfully dedicate themselves to the churches where they serve so that they may all remain firmly committed to the Lord, continually encouraging one another to continue in the faith and eager to proclaim the moving message of the gospel. As they move to Devon, they continue to move to other cities beyond as Jesus Christ continues to gather, defend, and preserve his church. Amen.